For the next three episodes, Convos with the Collective will be doing something a little different. Besides changing hosts around like a major character in a TV show, we will be chatting with some amazing ladies working in the event industry here in Denver, Colorado. In this episode, we will be talking to Lainey Hall, president of the Denver Women's International Live Events Association. If you want to know about the benefits of joining an association, the importance of networking, or selecting your own management style, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Convos with the Collective. You're listening to Convos with the Collective, the Denver Women's Sports Collective podcast, where we feature stories, life lessons, and advice from women throughout sports, events, and marketing. This podcast was recorded at the DMVR studio in Denver, Colorado. So to kick off this episode, I'm excited to introduce Lainey Hall. Lainey, I have been following your work with your award-winning business, Platypus Papers, on social media. You were inspiring on the DWSC's four-part roundtable in December, and you're my idol when it, as it comes to associations because you are a two-term president of the Denver Chapter International Live Event Association, and amongst all of that, you are one of the most funniest, most professional women I have met in the industry thus far. Thank you so much for coming today. Oh, thanks, Christina. It's awesome <laughs> to be here, and I am super psyched. This is such a great group. I'm so happy to be here with all of you. Yeah, this is going to be really fun for those who are joining in. We are going to be doing a three-part series. We're going to be speaking to Lainey Hall today for this episode. Then we're going to invite another event professional, Megan, to come on the second episode. And then, God help us, we are going to have all three of us talking in a roundtable. So if you want to laugh, please join us for that. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and start this episode with talking about the benefits of being part of an association. So Denver Women's Sports Collective is really huge here in Denver, and we are gaining a lot of traction, helping young women break the, pla- break the glass ceiling, as it were, to advance their careers. And with you being part of ILEA, that is a huge portion of your mission statement there as well. What do you think is the biggest benefit thus far in belonging to an association or picking an association? Oh, those are two very different questions. So belonging to an association really helps an individual find people that they can learn from, find people that they can connect with, find a new support group that understands what they're going through um, in their career choices and the industry that they're in, all that sort of stuff. And there are groups for everything you can imagine out there in the world. So it's absolutely possible to find your people. Um, Choosing one is a whole different ballgame. So when you find your passion, whatever that may be, whether it's sports, event industry, speaking, there's so many different options out in the world. You want to take a look at the various options out there for associations and see which one best fits you and where you are in your career and in your trajectory. So you're going to find an an association that hopefully has people you want to learn from, has people you want to work with, has people that you really look up to, because that's going to help you stretch. And that's, for me, that's one of my goals, is to make sure that all of our members at ILEA are getting what they need from this association, which includes those connections and, and that ability to meet and extend their group of people that they know and their networking. Um, so I, I've i been a member of ILEA. Actually, I started years ago, and I didn't show up to anything. <laughs> Learned real quick that part of an association is actually showing up. 
Um, but once they started showing up, I've, I've made friends across the world, in fact, and, um, I work all over the country with these folks that I've met and connected with and created relationships with. And it's absolutely spectacular. Yeah. So. So, I mean, so listening to that, it's exactly what I would probably tell, what I would tell a student that I'm talking to and giving them advice. But what you hit on a very key point that I love talking to individuals and the importance of a, of the association is the networking aspect because you get introduced to a lot more people at these events in putting yourself out there and not allowing yourself to be super close and actually putting your best foot forward. So do you see with your new members when they are more active in the association, whether it's belonging to it and volunteering or just attending that they have an increase, not only in business, but just in that, uh, networking portion that expands their businesses and expands their their knowledge so the error that people make when they join associations is thinking that by being here and showing up I'm going to get new business right away that is never the case so anyone who joins and thinks I'm going to get new business in a month or two is completely wrong and the reason is people hire who they know and that is as much as we want to say no you can show up and show your professional and all that sort of stuff people still hire who they know So you have to actually show up and be there much longer to really see that increase in business. But what you see before that is you see an increase in friendships and connection. And those people then start talking about you to their people who talk about you to the next set of people. And so all of a sudden, everybody knows about you, even though you haven't met all of these people yet. Right. And so the value is in that. The value in the associations primarily is that network. It is creating the connections. It is creating the friendships. It is getting yourself out there. So you're, you are your brand. So if people know you and they like you and they can communicate with you, they are more interested in working with you. Um, I have seen though through ILEA as people have grown and stayed members and continued their journey they have found career paths that weren't open to them previously right. by meeting people through ILEA. We have people that have moved out of state to increase their, you know, to find the next best great job in another state because of someone who they knew in that state through ILEA. So there's so many opportunities out there, but you have to go into it kind of humble and, and you have to go into it with an open mind and sort of a creative mind. Like, I'm going to try this. And I know... I'm sure someone listening is like, I'm super shy. This is really hard. I hate networking. I hate all of that. There is no rule about networking and you don't have to know every single human being on earth. Yeah. You got to meet one. And then the next time, meet another one. Yeah, Those might be the best, in, best introductions you have because you get to know them because you spent more time with one person who then really gets to know you. Yeah. So really quick, I did try to research this morning um, some statistics, so I sounded somewhat intelligent. Like, I was sitting there, and I was talking to Megan, and she was like, yeah, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to have statistics. So I was like, oh, well, crap. (laughs) (laughs) So what I did find is that 85% of positions are filled through networking. 95% of professionals consider face-to-face communication vital for long-term business. And LinkedIn research also confirms that most jobs are found through personal connections, 75% of them to be exact. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like that's pretty accurate from a, from like, from the president standpoint, what you've seen on your hundred percent? Yeah, absolutely. That even talking to people that are not in the event industry that have been looking for jobs, especially through COVID, all the craziness. And even Mm -hmm. before COVID, actually, the, the job market was, was 
great. And people, it, everyone was employed, so it was really hard to, to move. Um, everyone I was talking to at that time had to show up to networking events to right. try to meet the people who knew the people, to connect to the people so that they had a handoff, a personal handoff, along with their resume to get that job. Right. And it is people want to work with the people they know and they want to see what you're capable of and they want to know what your personality is like. And so, yeah, absolutely. Showing up and getting to know people and you don't know who, you know, you don't know. Like, I don't know. I know a ton of people through you that I've never met. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, a ton of people through me that you've never met, but we talk about one another. And so that's, it expands your horizons as a human, as a professional, um, as a business owner, if you're a business owner, as an employee, if you want to grow, like go meet all the people. Right. It's awesome. Well, and I think like for the event industry, it is a very tight knit group and people know people. And so if you are going to work with, I know that when I'm vetting a vendor for, Cronky Sports and Entertainment for our for our department. I'll message Megan and I'll message people in the industry that I know that I feel very confident with and say like, "Hey, do you know anything about this person?" Because the last thing that we want to do is provide references or provide that business to a client because that's an impression that we have to focus Absolutely. on. And it's a it's huge. Now, circling back to your first point in what you were just saying, you were talking about the pandemic and how that was such a crushing experience for the event for the event industry I know so many people that have been in this industry that unfortunately really suffered did you see an increase or a decrease in participation in your organization in your association when the pandemic hit and then what were the things that you noticed that changed significantly from the point of the association oh that's a good one so the participation shifted the people who really needed connection and wanted to still feel connected to their friends and the organization definitely showed up still. Mm-hmm. Um, all organizations shifted to virtual. Um, and I have got to tell you, there are so many different virtual platforms out in the world. It's right. unbelievable. Um, and we learned, we all had to learn how to present differently, how to speak differently, how to be vibrant in a harder environment. It's much harder virtually to be as bold and as well-spoken and all of these other things because people get bored. People got really super bored of Zoom um, and all of these other platforms. Burnt out. Yeah, super burnt out. Yeah. Um, coming back is very interesting too. We Our chapter is part of the Western region of ILEA and some chapters in California have come back this year and they've already doubled their membership. Really? Because people want to be involved again. Right. Um, and there have been a couple studies on the West Coast, which I think is very indicative of the entire United States, that say 78% of the folks in the event industry have left. Wow. Now, a majority of those people are the people that were the support. Yeah. So right now in the event industry, one of the things that I'm seeing across the board is that all of the people we support – which doesn't, which includes our members, but for me includes everyone I know in the event industry. I'm very connected with folks. I really care about them. I want to make sure everyone is hopefully succeeding and has the support they need. Um, I'm finding that business owners are all struggling to find the help that they need. Mm -hmm. And so in a year where it's sort of double down, you've got events from 2020 that were put off to this year, plus all the events that would typically happen this year. So it's like a, it's a doubling of, of work. 
Um, we're finding that people are expecting things in record time. So something that would normally take a month, people are asking for in a week. And there's not enough bodies to go around. So it's everyone is struggling yeah. in a different way. So on that point with the, because I know a lot of industries are struggling trying to get back to working at a full capacity for staffing. Do you think when you are part of the association, other industry professionals sympathize with that or in our great support system to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we have, it's funny because we will have people who work for someone else also working with these guys. So mm -hmm. as people need help, they'll just sort of put it out to the network and just say, hey, I need help. Yeah. So, I mean, I always tell people I'm for hire because I'll show up and work if I can. Like, I don't mind. Um, I've been in the industry a long time, and I was originally, back in the day, a, a <laughs> wedding planner until like all my friends. Like five years ago. Uh, Twelve, <laughs> oh, actually, okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> folks told me to stop doing it, and I finally listened to them, and I was much happier. But There you go. But I've, but I've worked a ton of weddings by myself, along with other planners, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I've worked corporate events. So I know, I know what goes into them. I'm good at taking, you know, any kind of instruction and then I can run with it because I right. know what it should look like and how it should act. So absolutely. The network is great to help salvage some things so that, right. so that business owners aren't working hundred hour weeks because it's getting close to that for some. It is a lot. And I think that that's one of the things that I absolutely love about belonging to an association and having that community from an event perspective, but also from the, the sports perspective, absolutely. because I work for Kroenke, but I'm also in the event industry and yes. working with private events. So it helps being able to come together with like-minded people and say, hey, I'm having these stressors, I'm having these issues, because collectively, when we sit and we talk, we can come up with alternative options. Absolutely. And also there's a, again, there's a sympathy to it. Like I understand what you're going through because I've been there. And I think during the pandemic, people saw it a lot. Absolutely. Because everybody was suffering at the same time. Everybody was hurting and you could really come together as a group and say, I understand where you're coming from. And it, it provided a support system that I think everybody needs. So from a, from a, from a young person's perspective coming in out of college, mm -hmm. that is use networking and belonging to an association is useful because it helps get you the foot in the door. But once you are officially a foot in the door, like yes. both of us have 10 plus years of experience in the event industry, it really helps to have that support chain along the way. Yeah. Ever find yourself mindlessly browsing online? It's all fun and games until you see something you actually kind of want. To make sure you're not dreaming, you text your friend a link, what do you think of this jacket, you ask. By the time you hear back, you're on to other things. A product forgotten, a cart abandoned. Until now, Fivo is revolutionizing the way we shop. It's an e-commerce solution for brands to take back their consumer's engagement onto their own domain. Because you deserve that jacket. Fivo believes just as strongly in championing women in the workforce as it does revolutionizing the way we shop. That's why FIVO has partnered with the Denver Women's Sports Collective to provide resources, counsel, and strategic investment toward female professional growth. We at FIVO are proud to support the DWSC in 2021 and beyond. All right. So one of the things that I absolutely love about you and you're just doing it during the break is you have a sense of goofiness to you, and I absolutely am very drawn to that. that I love it. 
Um, but you also are very creative and very professional. How long did it take you to feel comfortable with feeling goofy and then tying that with professionalism? Cause I know with me, like <laughs> I try to be silly, but then yeah. I feel like people don't take me seriously. Right. And so I immediately right. go back to professionalism and making sure that like, I'm understood. I think like also having the military background right. contributes to that, but I want to hear how long did it take you to perfect it? And what was some like <laughs> lessons that you learned from that? Uh, um, <laughs> how long do we have? Yeah. So I started coaching mm-hmm. volleyball when I was 16. And when you're a 16 year old, you're coaching 14 year olds, 13 year olds, 10 year olds. Right. So you have to be goofy. So I've been doing it my whole life, being a little wacky because it works. Um, however, I've also been a banker. And when you're dealing with people's money, if you're goofy, that's a problem because then they think that their money's going to disappear. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's fine. It is finding the balance and it's finding rapport. So I have definitely had situations, even in the event industry, where the person I'm speaking to requires a button up real to the point kind of conversation. And so you you read your audience. Um, I prefer clients that I can be sort of myself with, that I can be a little goofy and I can laugh with and understand their story and all that sort of stuff. And, and you have to find that balance. Um, I definitely can get real bankerly. And when I do... Is I, bankerly a word? I, if it's not, I just made it up. Sweet. I don't know. <laughs> but I can get that way. And, and it's not... People who know me look at me like, who... What just happened to you? Um, and it's not as inviting. So when I am my goofy self and I make fun of things, including myself, it, it works better. Mm-hmm. And it brings sunshine. You know, it's like life is better if you're laughing. So oh, absolutely. That's what we should be doing. Always. Yeah. I love that. I wish I could do more of that in my life. I just feel like the military side of it kicks in because I had a, I had a first sergeant that was phenomenal and he was very professional. He wasn't super, super goofy, but he was very professional and he always made sure that everything was done by the book, but while trying to consider other people's situations. Absolutely. And I idolized that. Like, and that was kind of the leadership that I took. And I once heard from a staff sergeant a long time ago, he said, if you have sergeants that you don't like, take those notes of the things that you don't like and then apply it to your management style and just don't do them. Or if there's sergeants or there's people that you do like their management styles, take those and pull those and that becomes your yes. management style. Are there any previous mentors or professionals that you've worked with that helped guide this line of uh, management style for you? There are people who encouraged me to be me. Aww. And what I learned from that, and in particular, there when I was in banking, I had um, a regional president tell me, if you were running, I was running a bank at that time. He said, if you were running this bank and it was the Bank of Laney, how would you do it? And I started thinking about it. And he says, whatever you're thinking, that's what you should do. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And I ran my team like a team. I didn't run them like staff. So, because at that point, I was in my 30s. I'd been coaching for years. I approached things as a coach first. Mm. I don't want to be their boss unless I have to be. Um, and it worked really, really well. And we were, our, my team was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I let them be themselves. And that's what I've learned about management styles. And, and leading is you have to be you. The less you you are, the less effective you are going to be. The more you you are, the better you're going to find your people 
your clients, your like world essentially. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's why you and I have connected is because mm-hmm. you've met me when I'm being myself. Right. If I was all buttoned up and super professional, you'd be like, well, she's, she knows what she's talking about, but I feel like I have a two personality. Like I love the goofiness, but I love the professionalism. I think I would be your friend regardless because like, <laughs> I'm just like, I love both sides of it. I was like, I can learn from both sides. Absolutely. And that's, but that's your, you've adapted it too. Like, you mm-hmm. know, that you have this very professional, like get bleep done personality. Oh, we didn't even have to edit that in. No, I'm just going to believe it myself. <laughs> I thought about it. I like to use those bad words, but I'm trying not to. Let's be real. I put a, I but, put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. So I mean, okay. like, <laughs> well, then get shit done. But you got to get that stuff done. <laughs> I think our editor is laughing at me now. But you got to get that stuff done. And that's the buttoned up, like, I am doing X, Y, Z today. Right. But then you get interrupted in the middle of that and someone calls and you like, if you're that personality on that phone call, you might lose that connection. Right. So you have to be able to switch between them. Do you think that it's been hard to keep that mindset or that style working remotely over the pandemic? Like, has that been a challenge for you at all? Or have you seen that be a challenge for people? Cause I know, and the reason yes. why I ask this, because like when I'm at home, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I can get into the mindset, but I feel like my four-year-old's at home with me. I'm in mommy mode and <laughs> right. I can't get shit done. Right. But if he's not there, like I'm able to get things done, right. but it's not to the full extent if I was in the building and actually like dressed up in professional gear and focusing on the job. So that's, every person's going to have their own response to that. Mm-hmm. Mine, I moved my office home during this. So I did have an office for 10 years that now I don't have. And I did that because I work better outside of the home. But we didn't have a lot of people in our office. So I did everything virtually anyway. Like a phone call is what I do a lot with people to interview them and learn about who they are. So for me, that shift is not as big. Um, The hard part is that having work at home means I never stop. And so now that's what I'm working on is creating better boundaries of, okay, it is now, you know, after hours. Right. Walk away. And that's, I think, some people are amazing at it. Like, there are some people who I've talked to that have, like, they are thriving in the at-home work environment. Um, But others really do struggle because there is that I show up, I open the door, I go into the office, I'm at work. I finish work, I walk out that door, I am not at work. And it helps you create that boundary. Right. Um, And it's, that boundary is really important. Well, and even in the event industry, it's very hard to, to, to have that work-life balance because you are constantly on the clock. (laughs) If a bride or a client calls you at seven o'clock, it is very hard sometimes to, especially like the week of the event, it is very hard to not answer that call because you don't know if something exploded, (laughs) flowers are wrong, the venues caved in ceiling, you know, you have no idea. And as an event planner, you're thinking the worst scenario. And so it's very hard (laughs) to separate that and turn off the phone at a certain time. And you're absolutely right. Some people thrived in the virtual. I did not like the remote. (laughs) I'm thrive. I'm not, I'm I'm not failing, but at the same time, it is very hard. But the four-year-old, I mean, four-year-olds have no concept of boundary. Oh no. I mean, they're going to push your boundaries, but they have no concept of I've closed this door. You can't come in. Like that's not going to happen. I can't even close the door. He, if I don't hear any (laughs) noises, I could be like, Oh my gosh, is he dead? Just blew up something in the kitchen. You know, I wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) I would not put it past my son 
if you guys, for all the listeners, if you ever want to know what it's like being a mother in the industry, please, please go back and listen to our Mother's Day special because I was actually a guest on that and talked about it. And it is very challenging to do this job Absolutely. as a child yeah, with, yeah. with a child. It's very hard because well, you don't know what they're doing and you're trying to focus <laughs> on what your tasks are. And there's a lot when yes. it comes to event. Absolutely. Well, I would say to, to any event professional, uh, when I started working in the, the planning industry, um, the best advice I got was set boundaries and set them immediately. Yeah. And so you have, and you have to hold to them. Now in my contracts, in everything I send out, I always say may. There may be whatever it is. Oh, that's smart. And the reason I say may is because then I get to make up my mind, but I've warned you that this is going to happen. Like these are the consequences of your actions or maybe the consequences of your actions. So I'm allowing my client to think twice about what it is they're going to ask of me and when they're going to ask that of me. Interesting. Um, and it's important that everyone has those boundaries. So as a planner, if the venue's roof caves in, you should be their first call, not the client, if you're the planner. And so you have to set those boundaries as well with your partners. If something goes chaotically wrong, I need you to tell me first before you tell the client. Because you as the professional planner can then craft what needs to be said to that client in such a way that they're not going to lose their absolute mind. And it's going to allow you to create a solution before you talk to them. Do you think that that boundary, do you think that the boundaries that you set as a professional tie in with the management skills as well? 100%. And the management style? Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 also who, what you, who you've learned from. Right. I mean, there are so many people that are like, I planned an event, now I'm an event planner. And that you haven't learned anything. I call them, I used to hear, I, I heard that from a, uh, this from a professor at MSU, mm -hmm. Metro State University of Denver. She used to call them little darlings. <laughs> That were like Jennifer Lopez wannabes. And it stuck with me. It stuck with me. Because you're right. It's like they plan one event. I'm an event planner and I well, know everything. I have met some. Megan will have something to say about that. She I will, know on absolutely. her episode. Well, and I, I have met people who have done that that are phenomenal. Like they know what they're doing. But as a whole, if you take the average, most don't. And they don't have a mentor. They don't have someone to talk to. They haven't joined an association. They don't, they don't know what they don't know. You know, if their event was really successful, they probably have no idea what went on behind the scenes to make it that way. Right. Um, and it is, it is more common than not that something goes sideways, but most clients don't ever know about it because that's how good having a professional team is. The team knows how to handle it and take care of it. So by the time you see it, nothing's wrong. But the crap that happened before was chaos. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And people lost sleep and people lost hair and something was on fire and all kinds of things oh, happened. Yeah. But to the client, it was brilliant. Oh, yeah. And that's my gauge for success. Yeah. That's how I determine if an event was successful is when a client comes to you and says, this was, in, this was amazing, this was incredible. But on the background, in the back end, like you yeah. were saying, it was just insanity. Yeah. We had a, we had a recently had a huge event, about 2,700 people. And as the event coordinator or the event manager for that, it was, my, I wanted to pull out my hair. I wanted to cry. I thought it was failed. Mm -hmm. But then the client emailed us, you know, a couple days later and said, that was the most amazing event. I was like, oh, then, <laughs> then we're okay. We did it. We're okay. We still have yeah. their money. We're good. So 
how important, how important is it to have a mentor, whether it's someone that is a, a, above you in a position or a peer mentor to help guide you through the stresses of that back end? You need to have those people in your life, period. Exclamation point, actually. Um, <laughs> they, you need to have someone you can talk to who's got your back, who understands the language you're using, and who is going to keep your confidence. You got to have at least one of those, maybe two or three. Um, and you have to have their back too, because there are going to be things that are going to happen that you could never have planned for no matter how much time you've been in the industry. Right. It is astounding the things that can happen. Um, and having someone to talk through it with is, is huge. Like it helps your mental stability. It helps you kind of process. It helps you troubleshoot all of that. How do you find those people? You're right. Circle back around. Associations. Yeah. It's joining groups. I promise to all my listeners there was a rhyme and reason why I selected these topics and this speaker. <laughs> there was a reason because it all circles back all around and you make that point back. perfectly. It absolutely does. And and it doesn't, you do not have to join the association that costs you a million dollars a year. They're out there. You don't have to be in that one to be successful. You have to be in the one that's going to help you learn it's going to help you find your the connections that help you thrive. And your association memberships may change over the course of your professional career. Right. So there's one that may get you to a point and then you are no longer being stretched and you're no longer getting what you need from it. And so you may need to change associations or add associations. Um, I know you and I have talked about me becoming a part of DWSC. Right. And still waiting on the membership know, sign up. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm sorry. Being a president's hard, and it's a <laughs> truck ton of work. I'm and a vice so, president. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not part of a lot of other organizations, no, I but it. I do show up to other things, and I try to. I try to support my peers and my friends and the people that I want to learn from or that I think I can be a part of their growth. Yeah. Um, and that's so you got to find those people. Well, and I also think in, in – as you're saying, I want to find my people, I think that it's very important to not join an association just to join an association. No. I think it needs to fit you. Absolutely. And so if there's an association that you support their mission statement, but the people that are within it aren't necessarily going to help advance you or move you forward, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't make sense to, to use that money and use those funds to do it. Right. So I was part of MPI, Meeting Professional uh, international. And I thought that the people were great, but that was not the direction that I wanted my career to go to. Absolutely. And so finding the association that's going to help me advance my career should be the forefront of anybody's mind when selecting an association, because well, part, I think it's, yeah, she's shaking her head. <laughs> I think that that should be a very big part of it. It is part of it for sure. But Ooh, debate. I like it. You don't necessarily know how your career will be impacted by the people you meet. Oh, touche. So you can go in there thinking these people can't help me advance my career. But as I said before, you have no idea who they know. Mm. And you have no idea what your friendship with Johnny Smith is going to do to introduce you to Susie Dew who's the head of... I love your... We just can't go with, like, just John Smith. We're going to go Susie Do. I'm using that. I'm stealing it. But you don't... I mean, you just don't know. 
So that is one of those, th- and I've, and I hear that from people who join associations and they stay for a year and they say, I got nothing out of it. Yeah. And I'm like, you are not paying attention to how this works. It is not tomorrow you're going to have a million more dollars in contracts. It's that tomorrow you have a connection to someone that you didn't have yesterday. Right. And then next week it's going to be another person because I like you and I'm talking about you. And someone said, oh, I need someone who does X, Y, Z. I can't tell you. I have destination management companies that are outside of Colorado that call me for recommendations all over the country. They call me because they know I am driving those connections across the country and I'm looking for the A-listers that I will stand behind that will still make me look good even though I'm not doing any of the work because I recommended them. And they know that. And that's because I show up and I try to get to know people. So it's, it, you, you don't know who you don't know. So if the association fits your mission, try it out. You don't necessarily have to be a member. Most of them will let you come, sometimes in perpetuity, yeah, without having to join. Well, and you can always go as a guest to kind of test it Absolutely. out, make sure that you support what they're saying. Absolutely. And it would work for you. Yeah. Well, Lainey, I have greatly enjoyed having you here. I think our listeners are going to take something, well, got to take something away from this well, as I hope they're so. advancing their if career. If nothing else, Susie Do. Susie Do. <laughs> if nothing else, take away the name Susie Do. Thank you, Lainey, so much for talking Thanks, to me Thanks, Christina. It's awesome to be here. All right. If you guys are, if you guys love the conversation that we're having in regards to event industry, please join us next week for our episode with Megan Gutterin, owner of Mag Events and Hippie Gypsy. Thank you so much, everyone. That wraps up this episode of Convos with the Collective. Thank you for joining us for today's convo. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and post it to your social media, tell your friends, and catch the show notes on our website at www.denverwsc.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to catch each week's episode and follow us on all social platforms at Denver Women's Sports Collective so you don't miss a single combo. This podcast includes various hosts from the Denver Women's Sports Collective and was produced and edited by Allie Monroy.